0: You know, I could have stayed on that last song uh, another 45 minutes. And one day we'll be able to do that. See, may- maybe I'm a little biased. I-, I was worship leader for 15 years. And so maybe I'm a little biased toward the fact that I, I think you, you know, it- it's healthy to worship more than 15 minutes. You know, if, if, you're, if you're here because you're, you're, you're the type of person where, you know, let's go to church, we put in 45 minutes or an hour for church, and then we get our afternoon free, this probably isn't the church for you. And, and that's probably a tough thing to say right up front. But you know what? Jesus wants us to spend time with him. He wants us to invest in him. And, and the thing that's amazing is we're the ones that get something out of that. You know, I, I have to tell you, when, when we were up at uh, the conference, and I, w- I want to use that as an example, we were worshiping. So many times, you know, you, you've, most of you have known that God gives me vision. So many times visions come during worship. And when I was up at Firestorm, I, I don't know if I told—I know I told Alexis, maybe I told a few people this—but I had a vision. The—I think it was the third day. I can't remember. But I had a vision. We were we were singing and we were we were worshiping, and we were in the middle of a song that was uh, titled "You Won't Relent." Some of you know what that song is. It's talking about. How the Father will not relent on His children. He will not give up on His children. He is going to keep coming after us until we yield. Until we are absorbed by Him. Until He becomes everything in us. See, as warriors, Ignition, we're, we're raised to be warriors here in Ignition. You understand that because to be an effective warrior... He better control every cell in your body. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm watching this, and and if anybody who went on Facebook, I posted, uh, I, I posted a little portion of worship. I think it was during um, one of the songs, uh, uh, "Power in the." Uh, Power in the blood. No, it wasn't every "Power in the Blood." Why? Did, my chain. mind, just went blank. Huh? Break, every chain. break every chain. There you go. Power in the name of Jesus. And, and I think that was another one they played just about every <laughs> which that that is actually the song that kind of launched this this ministry in in my mind several years ago but but I'm watching this it and and you you have to understand the setup the setup is a your typical contemporary setup right you've got a stage you've got a praise team up there you know it's beautiful they have all the great lighting all this and everything else and Everything's very professional, you know, they, they have the money to do all that, and it, it was awesome. But it was just the praise team. And then the backdrop of that, now I've been backstage, there's actually a lot more space back there. But they have these black curtains, right, and, and then they have these, these big wood panels, if you saw that on Facebook. But behind there is just just space. Well, I had this vision but this vision wasn't there this this vision was in our building the building that God has given us the building that we're going to be in and that was the setting i saw the stage and i I'd see, i've I'd, I'd seen vision of the stage before so that wasn't anything new and we were worshiping we had a we had a praise team up there just like what what i was watching then typical praise team but then there were there were these black curtains so you couldn't you you thought they were walls right and, and you know, it's the lighting, it's the whole works. It, you know, it was really cool and all that. And, and I love that. Not that that adds to or takes away from worship. I really think it has nothing to do with worship. It can help set a mood, perhaps, for those who who need that. But that's what was going on in this vision, and I'm watching this. and And in that song, where it begins to build up, it gets to the pinnacle of this build-up right before the chorus, and all of a sudden these curtains, these black curtains just dropped. And behind the curtains were 200 voice choir, all dressed in white. And they started to sing the chorus, and it blew me away. It blew me away. All I could think at that moment, because I knew this was a vision of something that's coming. I knew this was a vision of what ignition will have. But what I felt at that point is this: is what heaven is like. This, is, I mean, the 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 vocals were so loud and so powerful in my mind that that. You knew the music was there, but it wasn't about the music. It wasn't about the lighting. It wasn't about anything but the fact that we were worshiping Jesus Christ. And he was there receiving our worship. See, it was powerful. Understand that worship is what prepares you for his presence. Because it gets our mind off of us and places it on Him. So it's got nothing to do with the music. You know, it, it, it's got nothing to do with the lighting. It's got nothing to do with all the niceties about it. We have it right here. We can do it right here. We could do it a cappella right here because it's about our heart. But I want you to understand what God has in store for us, what he has in store for this church. I I can't begin to tell you all the things that happened this weekend, and it wasn't just what I received. It was what he put in place. You know, many of you have been here a while and you know what God has shown us. You know, we're here we're and, and I've said this a million times, it's kind of kind of a joke that you know, here we are a church in a living room, and yet God has called us to seven places in the world to begin a work. I'm gonna be talking about one of those places this morning because I just came back from from Nigeria, which is the first place aside from Newark, the first place where we're to begin planting churches. And I began talking about that last week. I I showed some pictures, showed some video of that trip. And I'm going to continue that and finish that today. But it's important to understand that sometimes God does not make sense. Our sense. Sometimes he does not do things according to the logical order that we place them in. Because you know what? When you've just planted a church in Newark, and you're still in a living room, and you're still doing this, this still doing that, it doesn't make sense that you then go and you plan a work in Nigeria. To us. But you know what? That makes sense to God. Because God planned it. He planned it before any of us ever took our first breath. Think about that. He ordained this before we took our first breath. He ordained you being here this morning before you took your first breath. This is not a surprise to God. You hearing these words are not a surprise to God. You being a part of this plan is not a surprise to God. So what he's doing in our hearts is all going toward a plan that he has. And we just trust him. You know, when he he told me a year and a half ago, a little over a year and a half ago, that Nigeria was going to be a place that we were going to plant churches. First of all, my my initial reaction to that was, did I understand that correctly? (laughs) Because I'd never set foot in Africa before. I knew nothing about Nigeria. I had just met a person from a plane. and met him for 15 minutes. And that was really it. So, so it, it took a lot of soul searching on my part. Lord, is this really you? And as he made clear to me that it was, I wanted to go to Nigeria immediately. I wanted to go over a year and a half ago. And he said no, because it wasn't time. See, he had to put in place the things that needed to be put in place so when we started, we hit the ground running. For my sake, what he had to do was he had to show me how much he loved these people. And for those of you who were here last week, you, you see on there that, and I, and I mentioned it last week, how much he loved, loves those people, loves the people that I went over there to see. So I want, I want to continue on with uh, what we began last week. Let's see if I can grab that chair. I should have planned for that a little better. But... We're going to continue what, what we started last week in, uh, uh, in this trip that I had to Nigeria. And, and I just want to show you some of the people and, and some of the things that I did there because it was significant what was received. Now, again, I showed this last week, but this is the map of Nigeria, all of that, and those are the different states, okay? There are 36 states in Nigeria, just like America would have 50 states. Nigeria has 36 states. Abuja, which is in the center, that, that red, uh, red square, that is the capital city of the country, That would be like our Washington, D.C. Okay, it's kind of like its own state, if you will. It's not really a state, but it's its own uh, area. Then we went through Nasarawa, I think I said that right, to get to Benue State. Benue State is where I was. Okay, in Benue is a capital city called McCurdy. Okay, in the state of Benue, there are four, it's either 4.2 or 4.3 million people. I went to McCurdy, which is around 200,000 people. Okay, but that's where I was. And last last week we talked about we went to an orphanage. I showed you some things of the orphanage. I showed, showed you some things of some of the churches there and that elderly home. And then to continue that, I had Andrew take me to some different places in the city. I wanted to get an idea. We're going back in, in April and then we're beginning a work. I wanted to get an idea of what does God have? And one of the first places he took me was this I don't know what you'd call it. it, it they called it a stadium. It's not really, when we think of a stadium, we think of, um, of you know, football or baseball or whatever. And for them, it's not so much that. For them, because this was government-owned, it was more like a parade ground. Okay? It, it's where you would go to, to celebrate something for that state, <coughs> or celebrate something perhaps for the city or for the country even. But all it is is it's these grandstands all the way around a huge open area. And you can you can see that now that that's the main grandstand, okay, and and that's where all the important people apparently sit, okay. That that's where all the government officials would sit if there's a parade going on or whatever. That's where they would sit, and then and then the the secondary important people would get seats in the grandstands, and everybody else just stands. So so they ha- they have priorities of honor. And, and, and this thing is used solely, solely for that. This is a picture here from inside the, the main grandstand. And you, could, you could see the size of this place. It was really quite large. And you can imagine, I, this is completely a guess, but with standing crowd and with the bleacher crowd, it would probably fit somewhere between to 15000 people is, is about what I figure. But when he showed me this, as I went in there, <clears throat> God began to give me vision for that arena. And one thing he told me to do, he told me to walk around it three times and pray. And as I did that, he began to give me vision of what he wants to do there. Okay, this is in a, a city of about 200,000 people. Now, understanding what I said last week, they, they don't have any outside people come in. You know, very rarely they'll have an a outside preacher come through and they might do something in McCurdy and move on or whatever. They have not had a work there, an outside missionary work there since those churches were originally planted, my understanding was 30, 40 years ago. But, but yet, when I got there, and I think I explained this last week, the reception that I got was not only from the churches. The re- reception and the openness that I got was from the government. As a matter of fact, the, you, you have, just like here, you have a governor here that runs a state... There you have a governor, and then uh, the second-in-command uh, there is called the secretary to the governor, but it, it, like here it would be the lieutenant governor. And then you have a third-in-command there they call the protocol officer. I'm not sure what you'd call him here. But we, got, we first met with the protocol officer, and he received us. I got to stay. They... I thought I was just going to stay in the preacher's home, but they they put us up at the guest house of the governor on the governor's grounds, which nobody stays there except dignitaries. I got to stay in the presidential suite, which I showed you last week. It's it's really kind of a joke to say, this is missions, yay. (laughs) Did I stay in a hut? No, I didn't stay in a hut. I really thought I was going to, (laughs) but I didn't. They received me with open arms. The government did. Why? Because they're Christians. I spoke with, I haven't met the governor yet. He was out of town. He is very eager to meet with me. When we go back in April, the governor himself is going to receive us as a team. But I got to speak with his right-hand person, the secretary, or we would think the, the lieutenant governor. And he said to me, I speak for the governor, who is a devout follower of Jesus Christ. You wouldn't hear that in the States, would you? What they said was, anything that we can do to further what the Lord is telling you to do here, we are at your disposal. We will do. That was extraordinary to me. Because, see, when I went over to to Nigeria, I knew the Holy Spirit had told me that the world is going to be reached through Africa. And that Africa is going to be reached through Nigeria. What I didn't know is where we were supposed to start in Nigeria. I knew Andrew, the, the pastor that I knew and I developed a relationship with, I knew he was from McCurdy, and that's why I was going to McCurdy. So I thought perhaps it was going to be there But in reality, that doesn't make sense. See, it would make more sense that it's Abuja, like what I showed you on the map, the capital city. Or perhaps the biggest city, which is Lagos. It would make more sense, perhaps, to be in those places. But God sent me to McCurdy. Well, it was that first day that I got there because I was praying, Lord, where do you want us to start here? Because we know we're going to spread throughout the entire nation of Nigeria and then out through the rest of Africa from there. But where do you want us to start and why? Just like he did here in Newark. Well, that first day he told me it's McCurdy. And the reason why was because he had already prepared hearts. So we walked into a situation that God has been preparing for years. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that a little later on. So I got to go to different churches, and, you know, I, I think I mentioned Friday, uh, I got to meet several of the government officials, um, they put me up in this ridiculous suite, they, they had a staff of about seven people waiting on me, and it, it, it was really, really insane. But then finally Sunday, I get to go to the churches, I preached five times on Sunday morning. And going to each church was an amazing experience. This is a picture of one of the churches. And this is a video of that. This is a video. How come I'm... Oh, the sound isn't working on this. Well, you can imagine there's sound coming from that. (laughs) But the worship there was amazing. The worship there was what I described here, it was all-encompassing. It was everything about who they are, everything about what they could express in their love for Jesus Christ. See, it was personal, but yet corporate, right? And that's how worship is supposed to be. It was personal, just like it is here. And I was telling them when I was over there, by the way, that, that guy there, uh, with the with the big smile in the in the all white, he he I can't remember his name, but he was such an amazing amazing guy. And literally, he came up to right about my mid mid chest area, and and just it, we got one picture together, and it was it was really interesting. An amazing amazing man. His church had just. Fallen down about a week before I got there, the the roof of it, and and praise God, there was only one person hurt, and they weren't hurt uh, uh, really bad, but uh, but I mean, we're talking a, a church of maybe two hundred, and the roof caved in because of I, I don't even know, but but he was the pastor of that church. This is Andrew. This is the the guy who I, the pastor who I met on a plane or. or Actually, after we got off the plane, uh, I had met and developed a relationship with over the last um, year and a half. He is also someone I didn't I didn't realize his position. Um, I knew he was a regional pastor, executive pastor over what I thought was sixty two churches. Turns out it was really seventy seven churches, but but uh, over that whole region of the Benue State. But what I didn't realize is he was number three in the nation. And really he is over about 5,000 churches. And so again, it began to, to work. It, God began to work in my mind. Do you understand what I'm setting up here? You understand that, that this is something that has been in the works for a long time. It's being prepared for ignition and that's why I need you to go now. So again, going around to these different churches was a phenomenal experience. And when I show you this next picture, uh, <laughs> I'm going to warn you not to laugh, especially the young people. And you'll see why I say this. Yes, I did have to wear a suit. And I, and I, told, I told Andrew, I said, I said, because he was going to post this to. To Facebook, and I said, I said, you watch. I said I give it 20 minutes, and there's going to be comments about me wearing a suit. And sure enough, there was. But one thing that they do there is is their culture is that their Sunday is very different than the rest of their life. Even the poorest of poor, they will dress their absolute best. They will set it aside, and that is what they dress on Sunday morning. Because they want to lay that out for the Lord, they want to dress their best for the Lord. Now, the, the, I knew I'd get an amen from Alexis. Now, now our culture is a little bit different. Although our culture, and even even our church for that matter, even my marriage for that matter, is a little bit divided on this. That's why Alexa and I tend to look like Green Acres, right? She's all dressed up, and I am. You know, it took everything for me to wear a collared shirt this morning. As a matter of fact, I, if you ask her, I was complaining about it this morning, that I have to wear this collared shirt. But i, I got to say, I, I probably haven't worn a suit, I don't know how many years, but it was, I enjoyed it. Don't hold that against me. <laughs> All right, but I, but I enjoyed it. And, and so, so now when I'm in Nigeria, I will wear suits. Don't expect it to spill over to the United States. <laughs> But it was such a joy being with these people and being in their churches. Now, one thing I began to realize as as I'm in their churches, I began to realize that something was going on that was different it, it was you know as, as I would preach, something was going on that I was not aware of and and what that became was the Holy Spirit working in a way I didn't expect. You know, again, when I went to Nigeria, <coughs> excuse me, I didn't expect to fully engage immediately. You know, I, I, this first trip, I was going there just to kind of say that I went there and to know things that were going on before I brought a team there. But what God did was something Different, and I don't know why I put so many pictures in here. Me, me in a suit. Maybe it's because I'm so used to not seeing that. But these churches were amazing, and their passion was amazing. This is Andrew's wife right here. You can see how they. Alexa loves the big hats. You'll love it when you go over there. But but they're all dressed up, and this church in particular. This was the last church that I preached at and they had waited almost two hours past their normal finish time just to wait for me to come there. I don't know that we do that here in America. It's like, well, you know what, we'll go ahead and reschedule you (laughs) because it's already 15 minutes past time. Okay, they, they had been there already by the time I had gotten there. I think they had been there for three or four hours. And when I got there, it, 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 oh, I just can't even explain all this. It, everywhere we went, it was this big entourage. They, they would say it on the radio everywhere we were going. And, and, and we're in this convoy, and we're pulling in, and they're on the radio, and they've got these, these, I don't know if it was military or police or what, but they're getting people out of our way so we could get into the buildings and all this. And, and, and you know, I didn't think that we would get to the last church and And you know it was funny because because uh they would tell me how much time to take to preach, and then when right before I'm standing up, he would say, "Oh no, and then he 'd add on to it, and so, okay, you know if you want me to talk two minutes, I could talk two minutes. If you want me to talk an hour and a half, I could talk an hour and a half <coughs> so So we finally get here, and i 'm thinking, you know i I need to kind of get them going because they're probably already upset." <laughs> And it was so opposite of that. They were so hungry. They were so excited to see that somebody from the outside world was sent there by God to be with them. See, that didn't register with me. We're so used to this smorgasbord of preachers. I mean, we, we, just, we just went to Firestorm and we got to hear, what, ten? Ten world-renowned preachers. They all just came to us. we just sit in one place and bring on the next one. Awesome. Bring on the next one. Okay, we kind of get used to that, right? But you have to understand they don't have that. I was the only white person there. I was the only white person I saw the entire trip. Okay? They do not have people come to McCurdy... Benoist State, Nigeria. And so so I'm just, as, as I'm preaching to them, I'm amazed. And and one of the things I said everywhere I went was, and I at the time I don't even know why I was saying it, but I found out later why. But the Holy Spirit said, tell them what the vision is. And I said that the world is going to be reached through Africa. Africa is going to be reached through Nigeria. And I didn't know until, at this point on Sunday, I didn't know until two days ago on Friday, but now I know Holy Spirit has told me it's going to begin right here in McCurdy. This is where revival in Africa begins. And when I said that to them, their reaction, I, I can't even explain their reaction. It was extraordinary. And I didn't know at the time why. Why? But I found out later why, and I'll explain that in a few minutes. (laughs) These were some of the children at that last church that I was at. Um, That is one of the greatest joys of being on the mission field, is being able to be around the kids. Now now here, I wasn't sure what to expect, because I've done a work down in Mexico for, for the last five years, and the children down there, Chichimeca on the reservation, they're awesome. They come up to you, they hug you, they, they're with you and everything else. It was a little different here. And I wasn't sure what to expect. I wasn't sure if I would be mobbed or 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 if they'd be really afraid of me. And, and it was interesting because I, I got looks like, clearly I'm different. Clearly I look different. But it was more almost like, they needed permission. Because when I, when I started to look at them, a, and I would say, come here. Then they would all just rush to me. And, and it wasn't, it, it, they just wanted to be near me. They just wanted to touch my hand. They just wanted me to, to touch their head. They just wanted, the younger ones, just wanted me to pick them up. Just wanted to be with me. Now, I don't know if it's because I was different I don't know if it's because I was in the position that I was in there. But what I received from them was so much love. And the reason why I think it was a personal thing is because it didn't matter the age. See, down in Mexico, once they get about 10 or so, they're not coming up to me after that. You know, as a matter of fact, I've worked with kids there that started out at seven, eight years old, and the second they got past 10 and 11, it's like, hey, <laughs> kind of like here in the States. They become a little too cool to work with an adult. It was so different there. It was so different, the age didn't matter. It was even up to the, an elderly person, they just wanted to absorb your love. And, and I say this not because they're any different, I say this because God has prepared them for this. God has prepared McCurdy, prepared Benoist State to begin receiving the very revival that he has planned for that area. Planned to ignite in that area and move well beyond. See, if you'll notice, he's doing that here. He's doing that right here in Ignition right here in Newark. He's placing things in people's hearts that individually don't make sense. He's giving us prophecy that absolutely doesn't make sense. But he's planting it in a way that shows his glory. He's planting it in a way that is building a movement to see something significant happen Right here in Newark, right there in McCurdy, not to stay within the walls, just the opposite of that. It, it's like we've, we've talked about for since we've been a church, since we have planted as a church, that our walls are not the boundary of what's happening in ignition. should be just the opposite. What's happening outside these walls is what is significant about ignition. What happens in Newark, do you know God wants revival to come to Newark, Delaware? Do you believe that? Yeah. Yeah. Could you imagine the University of Delaware becoming known as a school that follows Jesus Christ? See, that's going to happen. That's what Jesus has ordained for Newark. That's what he has planned for Newark. That's not a hope. That's not a dream. That's not a, yeah, one day, and certainly in the end times, you know, when Jesus comes back, thousand year reign, yeah, then we will. Now, he wants it right now. Do you believe that God is bringing revival to this country? Do you believe that he's bringing revival to the world? If you don't, then you need to begin paying attention to some of the other things going on. See, that was one of the things also that that I I have the benefit of knowing these pastors that are all over the country and all over the world. And do you know what? Every one of them says the same thing. That revival is about to break out. I got to meet a, a gentleman this last weekend, and and this this is this is a person who um, you know, he he is the head, he's head of a mega church out in California, and and he is also the head of an association, a worldwide association, of over five five thousand churches. And they, he he's the one. I I got to meet him, got to talk to him for about fifteen minutes or twenty minutes. He prayed over me, which was phenomenal, you know, and that was great. But but I thought, you know, Lord, your intention is a lot more than this because. Because God, if you really are wanting us to do what, what we're to do, then, then you've got to give us associations. You've got to give us relationships. And, and so I, I, I had mentioned something about his area because I knew somebody that was there. And, and it turns out we had this common person, person of interest, you might say. It's a person that I know very well, a person that he's been trying to get to know. See God put me in a position where I had commonality with this with this man. Well, this man is talking about revival breaking out in San Diego, which is a little bit south of where he is. And, and right now, for I think he said it's been—correct me if I'm wrong—people that were there, it's been like six weeks now. That that before this happened, when when this revival broke out in this church, now people are flying there from all over the world. They, ha- they have, they have uh, services every night now for the last five or six weeks. Revival has broken out there. And, and this man where he's from, he said, he said, I feel it. I know it in our congregation. And the area churches in their area, he said, revival is right on the edge. It's just right there. And, and he said that God is doing this all over. And then, then when we made that connection of this, of this other guy um, and, and talked about it a little bit, he, he looks at me and he said, let, let me get your information. I want to put you in my phone. He said, I'm going to be back out there in, in October and, and uh, you know, I'd like to come to your church. And I said, sure. I said, you, you understand we're a small church. He said, that's okay. That doesn't matter. He said, I think this is a piece of the revival. See, that's what God's been telling us for a long time. He's been telling us that we're a spark to the revival. But yet, we had no connections. I mean, goodness gracious, we're in a home. <laughs> you know, we have no money. We, we don't even have a building. We just have promises that God has told us are going to happen. So, for these things to happen, God has to begin putting in place these building blocks, these connections. But do you understand that His family is huge? His family is not a family that is out for themselves. You know, th- this gentleman, um, and obviously, you know, I'm avoiding saying his name, but this, gen- and not for any reason. Whatever. Anyway, not for any reason, except for the fact I want God to do what God wants to do. But he is establishing us in places that from a business standpoint, we have no place being. But you have to understand what you're a part of here. You have to understand that. Because God did not call you, if you're called to be at Ignition, God did not call you to just be somebody sitting there and soaking in Jesus Christ. He is calling you to be an active part in revival. An active part in warring the enemy to bring revival here to Newark. To bring revival to Nigeria. To bring revival to all seven places that we're called to. The reason why you have a significant part in that, it isn't because we have, you know, all these things that God's given us, it's because we have a heart of prayer. It's because we understand that what we do in our own flesh is insignificant. But do you know when we get on our knees, which we do on Tuesday nights, I want to encourage you to come out Tuesday nights. That's the heartbeat of Ignition Church is Tuesday nights. Because we pray and we worship, period. That's all we do. We pray and we worship. We go before the throne of God because before his throne as a son of God, I have power. I have authority. I have authority over the enemy. I have authority to do the will of God. Why? Because he gave me that authority. I didn't take it. I didn't earn it. I just fell in love with Jesus Christ and said, whatever you want to do, do through me. Period. My whole job, God, is to stay out of your way. And oftentimes, we get in his way because of what we think we're supposed to do. Well, I like this. Or I, I, I spent, you know, five years studying this, and this is what I'm supposed to do, God, because I spent $100,000 on college to do it. And see, what we should be saying is God, whatever. Whatever you want. See, I, I, I have a degree. I have 25 years business experience. Okay, so why didn't God just keep me as a businessman? Because he didn't intend to. His intention all along was what is happening right now. Now, it doesn't mean that that experience or that training is wasted. Nothing, nothing, get this, nothing of God is wasted. As a matter of fact, when he fed the 5,000, you remember that story where, where he said, okay, what do we have? And, and they gathered two fish and five loaves. Right? Okay, Jesus knew what he was gonna do, and he didn't even need any of that. He could have just produced it from nothing. But what did he do? He said, give me what you have. Give me what you have. Give me your talents. Give me your money. Give me your heart. Give me your intent. Give me you. Period. Give me everything. If you give me everything, you watch what I do with it. And he fed twelve to 15,000 people out of nothing. What do you think he might do with you if you give him your life? See, I'm a walking example of that. I was in business, and God told me get rid of the business. And 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 by the way, I enjoyed it. I was building homes. I love it. I I was even dreaming last night because it, 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 I can't remember what we were watching something, and and I oh <laughs> that's right we were watching the money pit. Okay, <laughs> and and I'm watching this, and most people would look at this being all frustrated and everything else, and I'm looking at that thinking, man, I would love to get a hold of one of those. I would love to do that. Rip it apart, build it back. up. That was my thing. So see, God didn't take me out of that and put me in ministry because I wasn't enjoying what I was doing. I loved what I was doing. But see, that wasn't his intent. That wasn't his plan. And and. As I begin to say, Lord, whatever you want in my life, I will do. He began to change my heart. So when he had me close the business, it was because he had already had me fall in love with people. But was that wasted? No. No, the, the training he gave me in business, the training he gave me in my degree, all of that he'll use for his honor and his glory. Same with each one of you. Each one of you has training. Each one of you has circumstances you've been through that God intends to use. Not by yourself. Not on your own. Not as an island somewhere. But as a member of the body of Christ, 1 Corinthians 12 says that the body has many members and all of them have a function. So that means everybody here has a function. Everybody here has training that is supposed to come together and bring the whole into fruition. See, I keep saying this and and I want you to get it because we're about to explode. And I know that you have to just accept that by faith. You have to accept that by faith. But what Jesus is about to do here in Ignition, (laughs) it's not been seen before. It's not been seen before. And do you understand, Ignition is not the entity in which he does it through. He does it through you. He does it through me. He does it through his people that come together as the body of Christ, taking their experience, taking all the things that they've been through, taking their talents, and just getting out of his way. I can tell you now that he took me out of business, placed me where I am now. There is a hundred thousand times more joy more purpose, more excitement than there ever was. And I was pretty excited. I loved what I did. But do you see, he doesn't get rid of your likes and just say, man, follow me and I'm going to make it a drudgery, but you'll follow me and praise God. (laughs) He doesn't do that. He's made you who you are. He's made you enjoy the, the gifts that he's given you, the only difference might be the purpose. <coughs> Is God doing something in your life in that way? See, when I went over to Nigeria, I realized that what he was doing was something way beyond me. Way beyond the 40 or 50 people in this church. He was doing something extraordinary. I'll show this picture. This is just Andrew and I. And uh, um, I told him he couldn't use that picture too much because we're both in suits. Said when he comes to America, I'm going to get him to wear (laughs) T-shirts, just to be fair. But this, this led to Sunday night. Sunday night, God put it all in perspective for me. Sunday night, we'd had a long day. I'd preached five times. We'd been all over the place, um, and I can't remember. We, were, I think we, I think that was the day I was on the radio. I, I it, it's all kind of a blur, but it was a long day, and and he said, "Yeah, go go and take a nap." So it was after lunch. You know, we went. I went and laid down, and I, I'm thinking a couple hour nap. Okay, <laughs> not 20 minutes. But I went and laid down and, and I'm just, I'm just starting to fall asleep. And I hear this knock, knock, knock on the door. Oh, oh, <coughs> so I get up and, and I walk out. And, and if you were here last week, you know how this suite was set up. You have, you have an outer courtroom, meeting room, whatever, you know, that, that people meet together. Then you have a locked door. Then you have a private area. Okay. And, and, um, so, I come out of my, my suite into this private area, and there, I think there were about six guys there, six or seven you know, elderly men, um, and they, they were all the pastors of, of this association or, or, or whatever it was uh, with Andrew. And then Charles, who was with me, um, he, he is Nigerian-born, but he lives here in Maryland, but he was with me. Um, so So, we come in there and we' we're, we're talking and and, uh, and they said, "We want to do a ceremony for you and And I was um, uh, a little uh, you know just the whole trip I'm there, I'm like, whatever whatever, lord. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what was going on, but uh, um, but they said, "We want to do this ceremony. I'm going to play this movie, and unfortunately, I don't know why. Turn, turn that up on, on the edge again. I'm not sure why I'm not getting any any sound out of this, but I'll explain it. Oh, perfect. Where do you want me to mm-hmm. Okay. 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 normally dressed by other people so this was interesting and they didn't explain to me until afterwards what they were doing but they, they put the robe on me as, as you see they put the, the necklace on me which each one of these things had meaning to it and they explained it afterwards and they put, they put these two bracelets on which the fact that there were two was significant. Because then they did the same thing to Charles. Charles got one. I'm just kind of standing there looking all dorky. Not knowing what's going on. Place this hat on me. <laughs> I have a big head. <laughs> Oh wow! This is the original symbol and holder of the symbol of Kitas. Wow! It's the chief. Wow! I should have dressed up. <laughs> wow! And I, br- I brought that. What they gave me—it's like a scepter. Um And what what this is is actually a dried bull's tail. But what it signifies, you know, and, and it, it's it's the the, bull of, the hair of the bull and stuff. And uh, but what it signifies and and everything they put on me was their tribal, what their 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 tribal wear, their tribal garb. But it was what they would give to a chief. It was what they would give to somebody that they follow. And and when I sat down and they explained this to me. Whoops! Oh, went one too far. When when they that, that see they did the same thing with Charles in the, in the middle. That's Andrew, and that other guy's the one I was telling telling you about. But what when they did this, they explained to me that that we did this for a reason because see we know God has sent you here, and we know that God has something for us through you through your ministry. And we want you to know, as the churches represented here in McCurdy and all Benowa State, we are here to do whatever the Holy Spirit is telling you we're to do. I, I looked at him, and, and the gentleman saying this was the one on the far left. And when he was saying this, I, I looked at him and I, I said, I, said I, don't, I don't know if this is proper to ask this question. I said, because they, 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 they had a, a lot of uh, decorum over there. I said, "But I have to ask you, why? Why would you do that? You don't know me. Even Andrew, I spent 15 minutes with him over a year and a half ago, and then just developed a, re- a relationship, you know, via Facebook, telephone, whatever. Why would you do this? Because you have to understand this is now the second. Time has happened. First, it was with the government that I never expected. They said, anything we can do. But now the churches are coming together and saying, anything we can do. And I asked him, why? Why? He said, most of the older men would remember this. He said, but 21 years ago, there was a prophetic pastor that came through McCurdy. And he said 21 years ago that the world will be reached through Africa. Africa will be reached through Nigeria. And Nigeria will be reached through McCurdy. And he said, when you said those words almost verbatim, the same as what he said 21 years ago, he said, we knew this was the answer to God's call. He said, we knew that this is what God is doing, that he began and told us about 21 years ago. He he said, we got to a point when it didn't happen, because, see, we have expectation that when God says something, he does it right away. You know, we forget the fact that reading in the details, like when he told Abraham, you're going to have a son, Sarah wasn't pregnant. Right away. It took 20 years. When God called David, he didn't become king. When he was anointed to become king, it was 20 years later. When God called Paul on the road to Damascus, we think that he goes, he's healed by Ananias, and, and boom, he steps right into the missionary journeys. But no, it was 17 years before that happened. But yet God revealed to Paul everything that was going to happen. We think things are going to happen right away. And he said, "He said we got so discouraged when nothing happened. All these years, we have thought that God forgot about us. He said, but when you came, we had hope. But when you said those words, we had assurance. See, we know it's not you, we know it's God. So because of that, an entire state in Nigeria, both political and church, see that God is in this thing. So when we go back in April, it it changed my whole paradigm. I'm, I'm thinking... You know, we'll go and begin the work and, you know, a year, year and a half, two years, a couple years into it, we're going to be able to develop, you know, people seeing this as God's vision. <laughs> God changed that dramatically. When we go back in April, we go back to plant. When we go back in April, we go back to share vision. See, God has told us so many things that he's going to do there that I've not shared with them yet. They need to know. Just like God has shared so much with us about Newark that Newark has no clue yet what's about to hit them. But God is about to move in a significant way. Significant way. I want to finish up by showing you just a couple more things here. This was one of my favorite times. I, I, love, I love young people. This was a high school. They call this. College, because they kept saying college students, and I'm, I'm like, they're a little young for college students, aren't they? And, and then Andrew explained to me, well, our high school is what they call college, and our college is what they call university. So these are all high school students, you know, what we would consider probably like eighth grade to twelfth grade, right in there. And there were, I think overall, there were maybe 250 of them or so, 300 of them. And, uh, and so this was on the last day, Monday when I was leaving. This was one of the last things I did there. And I got to address them and, and talk with them. And everything, you know, like I said, was so proper. Um, you know, they, they were very well behaved, you know, uh, didn't, didn't shout out, didn't, you know, do all these things that, that would be um, uh, to where they couldn't hear me. And I said I said, "You know what I said, I want to do you mind if I just get in the center of them I said I, I just want to get in the center of them to be with them. I didn't want to just stand where I was. I wanted to be in the center of them and and I'll just show you this last uh, this last little clip of this this was I got to be in there for about five minutes and we took some pictures and I got to shake so many hands and just say hello and and then this is me trying, trying to get out. But, but again, these, these kids, they don't even know what's coming at them. Right? Okay, they're they're okay, that's a silly picture. (laughs) We'll we'll move it on to the next picture. Um, they don't even know what God is about to do in their town. Their their headmaster, you know, the the head of the school, he he is a godly Christian man. I got to spend time with him, talk with him in his office and and hear his vision and what he wants to do. The kids have no clue what's coming. The kids have no clue. God is doing something amazing in their lives. And these last few pictures, this is just uh, Andrew's family. Uh, the only thing is it's, it's his two daughters. His son isn't there. Um, his son is, is at, uh, it would be like a military school uh, for us. And this is his son to my right there. We got to go visit him. And um, so he was the only one not in that picture. And then the final picture I'll share with you. Is uh, uh, it's kind of grainy, isn't it? But uh, over in the in the lower left is Charles, who was with me, and and then that is that is uh, uh, Andrew, his wife, and his two daughters. Just precious, precious people. But what God is planning, He has set in motion years and years ago. Do you understand that? that's what he's doing with your life? What he has prepared you for, what he is sending you in direction of, was something he knew long before you ever were born. Long before you ever took your first breath. So do you trust him? Do we trust him in what he's doing? See, his intention is not for you to come here and just get your Sunday on. You know, I I got my God on on Sunday morning, got my few hours in. And then I I read, you know, uh, five minutes a day. That is not his intention. And that's not the access to the joy. See, his intention is that you give him everything. Everything that you are, you give him. And what he does in return is he gives you everything he is. That's relationship. That's what he's doing here in Ignition. That's what he's doing in Newark. Newark's about to explode, folks. As a matter of fact, that's the very word that Jesus used with us was it's about to explode. Things are about to happen here that will show his glory. And it's not about ignition. It's not about this church. We're just doing our best to stay out of his way. We're just doing our best to be pliable to what he wants. And remember, he operates in faith. Faith is the currency that his kingdom functions on. Just like with with America, it might be money. You, you, You function in money to get through this life, right? To pay your bills, to increase your wealth. That currency for Christ is faith. He wants us to increase our faith in what he's doing right here in Newark. Over there in Nigeria. All the other places he has us affect. And if, if you wonder if he's doing something in your life, just ask him. Just say, Lord, reveal it to me. It, you know, I, I know in a grand scale you're doing this for ignition, you're doing this for other people, but but I, I don't see it for me. Show me. I promise you, if you do that, if you ask him that, he'll show you. In fact, he will give you so much it will overwhelm you. Because he's going to start showing you things he wants to do in your life. That you thought, you, you really want to use me for that? Uh, I'm, I'm so honored that he would think of using me for that. He wants to. But see, it comes with a yielding. It comes with a cost. Understand there is nothing good in life, in the Christian walk, after salvation, that doesn't come with a cost. When we accepted Jesus Christ into our heart and we gave our lives to him, there was no cost to us. He died on the cross for our sins. He paid the price 100%. He offered by grace that salvation, that justification of our sin. All we had to do was receive it. That's the grace message. That is the grace of Jesus Christ who loves us so much. He knew if it cost us anything, the cost would be too great. Because what he paid we could never take on. So he did that all himself, 100% grace. But once we established that relationship, once we accepted Jesus Christ into our heart, we began this thing called relationship. Do you understand that you can be saved, you can be justified before the Father, you can have your ticket to heaven, but not have a relationship? See, relationship's interactive. Relationship has cost. Look at any relationship you have on this earth. And you tell me that it hasn't cost you something. If it's a good relationship, it has cost you. See, with Jesus Christ, it's no different. You can get your ticket to heaven, but that's not relationship. That's his grace. That's his love for you. That's not interaction with him. Interaction with him is relationship, and that costs everything. See, he wants everything. In my own life, none of this began. He didn't begin showing me vision. He didn't begin sharing what he wanted to do with ignition or anything else until I was obedient in one thing. He told me to close my business the one thing that I used to control my entire life and my family's life. See, I had control to do what I wanted to. And it was awesome because I, I, I had a crew working for me so I could be full-time at the church. Church didn't have to pay me because I, I made my own money. I controlled everything of it. And it was good. It was great. Nobody could tell me what to do. So see, God held back the very blessing that he had for me until I was obedient. And for me, it took a year and a half. God spoke to me three times. Close your business. Don't sell your business. Close your business. Okay, Lord, well, how about if I do this? Okay, six months later, close your business. Finally, I listened, and I closed my business with no other plans, because he didn't give me any other plans. I closed the business six months before we ever planted a church, because he hadn't revealed that to me yet. See, in your own life, God has got so many plans for you. He has so much destiny for you here Doing his will, and we always wonder, why don't you show it to me? It's because he can't without obedience. He doesn't want to be an option. Well, that looks better, okay, I'll, I'll take that, Lord, because you're offering me something better. It's not an option of this or that. He said, make the choice that it's me, period. Before I reveal anything to you, make the choice that it's me. And then when you make that choice, trust me. See, when you do that, and many of you have, you know what I'm talking about. Because when you were obedient in that choice, he started to open up the world to you. He started to give you vision, just like he did with me for Ignition. Just like, it's ridiculous. Okay, two and a half years ago, if you'd have told me we're going to be in seven places in the earth, for that matter, if you'd have told me that I was going to be in Africa, twice, within a couple of months, three times within four months, I would have said, you're ridiculous. I, I never had a desire for that. Not only that, I never had a thought that he would ever want to use me in that way. That he would ever want to establish something and use a people extraordinarily beyond their capacity. That's what he wants to do with you. See, he said, I want good things for you. I want to show you my power. He's laying that out right before you. But it's the action of obedience is what activates that. Will we be obedient in what he's calling us to do? Let's bow our heads.